You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. We're going to jump into this episode. Man, we've been having some really good feedback on the podcast, Kyle and Sarah and myself the team. So it's been fun, man. It's been really good. Give my squad a shout out in the back. But yeah, so I'll start off with a quick quote and then we're going to dive into our guest. So this one's by Tony Robbins. It says, no matter how many mistakes you make or how slow you progress, you're still way ahead of everyone who isn't trying. So that's why you just got to get out there, man. You just got to try shit. You got to take risk and you got to put your neck on the line. That's the only way you're going to scale. It's the only way you're going to grow. And it's the only way you're going to be an entrepreneur because it's a big difference. So I have a guest here today. We're going to talk about his tech platform, talk about what he's doing with multifamily. Craig Cecilio is the CEO and the founder of Diversifund. Craig's mission is to disrupt traditional alternative asset investing and empower the average investor by giving them the same wealth building opportunities available to the top 1%. Craig's visionary approach to democratizing alternative asset investing combines the power of crowdfunding with cutting edge technology through his fund and online platform. So thanks for being on the show, bro. Great. Thanks for having me, Terrence. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Just tell our audience, like, you know, just a quick rundown of who you are and how you got into real estate, how you became a real estate entrepreneur. And then we're going to dive into the tech platform and some other stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a lifelong story. I always, uh, where I grew up, I grew up in the East Coast, working class family. And a lot around me, a lot of people had a lot of wealth. And kind of from an early age, I kind of said, hey, how did a lot of people build wealth? And it's always, story was always about real estate. Some part of the portfolio always had a deal with real estate. So I kind of knew at an early age, I'd be involved in real estate in some form or manner and kind of set out on my journey. I started my first real estate transaction in my 20s and here I am today. Love it. Love it. So obviously you started doing tangible transactions, right? And walk me through your first deal in your 20s. What was that that deal? I think that's always cool to hear people's first real estate deal. Gosh, my first deals. Uh, there's there's like two of them that I remember. Uh, one was with uh, my, my roommate was supposed to be my business partner. I uh, got my real estate license. And I think we uh, we got a condo down here in San Diego and it was distressed and kind of fixed it up and put some money into it. And we, we sold it at the end of the day. So it was something we were uh, just, just trying out and just kind of for the first time. And uh, I remember we were being mentored by a couple guys in town that were pretty big uh, developers doing a lot of uh, condo conversions, I think, at that point in time, late, late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, yeah, that was our first deal. And um, yeah, I remember doing a couple deals around 9-11 too. Uh, that, was, that was interesting because the world kind of stopped at those days too. Mm. Very interesting time periods in the early, early days, the experiences we had. Yeah, man. So... As you progress, do you still have your real estate license today or are you m- mainly focus on putting deals together? You know, yeah, I, I still do. I, for whatever reason, I, I still do have my, my broker's license. I didn't, I didn't let it expire. As I evolved with time and, and started building out more of a, te- a technology company as well, I don't do the day-to-day as much, but yeah, I'm still abreast of, what's, uh, of the real estate licenses and, and, and keeping them up to date and stuff. No, I love it. So let's talk that transition. You go from being a investor early on and then you get your real estate license. And then for some reason, technology starts to be a passion for you or something you're interested in. Talk to me about how you even got to that thought process of technology, bringing it into the real estate sector. Well, I could say it's like, it was three things. Like my first two mentors, one was in real estate. The other mentor was into raising capital and the structures of how to raise capital. And the third thing is I just like people. I like, I like talking to people and meeting people. 
So I'd always meet people and like collect their business cards and kind of write their, you know, write their names down. And over time with the technology increasing, I put it into a CRM system and created an email list and kind of put all those things together. So naturally I, I put all three things together and with time, it just kind of progressed as uh, technology kind of took off. So I was always big about, Hey, growing a group of people and uh, be able to say, hey, I got this investment. So I'd email maybe in the beginning days, 100 people, and then built the list to 1,000. Here we are today, close to a half a million people in, in our community. So it was always kind of, I had to market myself and my services. And uh, yeah, and so it was kind of kind of out of the gates. <laughs> I was doing that. Yeah. And then you just added the tech piece. So talk to me about yeah. your fund. What's the focus of it? And then talk to me why the technology that's integrated in it makes it different. And then we're going to talk about your audience and the growth. Yeah. Yeah. So the the platform diversity fund was created with the idea to give everyone the ability and the opportunity to build wealth. And we do that by aggregating micro dollars for as low as $500 from people. And we pull those funds together and we buy commercial real estate throughout the US, predominantly multifamily real estate. Our typical transactions probably about $25 million purchase price between 150 and 250 units. That had a pretty fantastic last couple of years. Uh, I think we bought the right time periods and uh, assets are doing really well. The tech allows us to get those lower dollar amounts instead of getting that maybe one person that comes in, an institution comes in as a partner or project. We're able to get thousands of people. We have 30,000 people right now. And they put in small amounts of money. We pull that together so we could buy these large assets. Uh, so uh, in, in using the technology and putting all those pieces together, it's very complex. There's a lot to it. But we were able to take an idea and over here's five years later and build out a platform. Uh, we have an app as well that people use on iOS and Android. And uh, it really allows people to kind of have that opportunity and the tools so they could participate. No, I love it. I love it. I, I, I really want to spend some time diving into that. But I want to make sure because I know you and I could shoot off in a jet and leave everybody behind, right? Because we start talking real exactly. estate, that we're just real estate guys, we're entrepreneurs, and we're going to be in the moon. So let's pull it back just a sec. So what's the difference between what you're doing, which in my, is it, it's crowdfunding, right? Yes. And yep. then syndication. So let's just talk about the difference between the two and then how you kind of see it from your perspective. I, I think there's typical syndication. You're probably going to reach out to 10 to 20 high net worth individuals, maybe some institutions to, to pull them together to have uh, to raise the money or have the capital to, to purchase an asset, purchase real estate. Whereas crowdfunding, you're, you're, you're increasing that amount of people. It's, I, I, said, I consider it syndication on steroids. So say having 10 people syndicate a deal, you might have 1,000 people syndicate a deal. In some cases, our case, we have 30,000 people in our funds. Uh, so the only way to possibly manage that and to do that is to, to have technology accompanying that with us be part of the process as well. For sure. So when you talk about your fund, do you have a fund per deal or you just have an open fund that people invest in and then you guys go out and find the right deals? Yeah. The the way I call it the technology stack and the compliance world is we we have a large fund. We have, we've had two large funds do it. Uh, that really keeps the cost down because the costs are still high from the technology side and the compliance transactional side, let's call it, and the compliance side. So where it doesn't really have the economic benefit to uh, the investor. So if we had a per deal basis, we would the cost would be too high to do it. So that's why we create funds to do this. It's great wisdom. So on your average deal, like you said, 25 million, 150, 250 units, what's the average that you would say, like if a, because I, I know you guys have this, this data and this information and not, I don't want to get into anything proprietary, but what would you say the average investment 
for your person makes? Is it 500 bucks? Is it on average, we get probably two grand from people? What's that number so that we can give people something to think about when they're thinking about crowdfunding or, or like you said, syndication on steroids? Yeah, a- average is, is, is great. We, it's it's two, two to $5,000. And uh, what we also have is a, a, a tool that we allow people to sign up on a monthly basis so they could put in $500 a month into it. So we have roughly 8% of our community sticks in about $500 per month on a month to month basis. So that's what we're kind of creating. We're creating these tools for some people who might not be able to order those large dollar sizes to get them involved and do it on a more recurring basis. So they kind of go on that journey of, of creating wealth because just $500 is not going to get you there. But if you really compound that $500 month over month or take the month off too, you're allowed to do that. You could do you know every other month. Allows people who are lower on that economic scale that opportunity to and the tools to build to build that uh, wealth out. Yeah, for sure. And so obviously they have an interface. Do you feel like the main thing they're gaining is just the confidence to invest or the knowledge of the process? What do you feel like some of your investors are gaining by joining your fund and using your app? Yeah, so we asked them. We did about a thousand interviews, and it was it was crazy the information we got back. First of all, it's awareness. Most people didn't know this existed. They didn't know multifamily investing, value add investing, what that was. They're like they didn't know it existed. They didn't know they ever had that opportunity. So the first thing is giving them the awareness and then educating them about it. Okay, this is the product. This is how it works, and of course, giving them access to it. So yeah, I was I was quite I was quite surprised. I mean thousand interviews and almost every single one of them didn't know this existed before. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Wow. So you made a pivot during the pandemic. I want to talk about that because I don't think people really understand when you're the CEO and you're the founder and you're leading a pack. Like we said before we got on air, it's almost like the quarterback of a team, right? When, when, when we win, the team gets the credit. When we lose, the quarterback gets all the blame. But you made a decision, man, which I thought was really fearless. Let's talk about that, you know, on how you did that to, to even Hey, 20x the company are probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I read a book, I think, at the uh, last quarter of 2019 called Blitzscaling. And it had to do with acquiring customers and don't care how much you spend, acquire customers as fast as possible, which, which basically means is kind of throwing a lot of money into marketing. Mm. So we made a plan in December 2019 to really take our marketing budget and, and 5x our marketing budget. Uh, we're, we're almost close to a million dollars a month spending on marketing. Uh, and then all of a sudden we were going to, our launch date was March 1st, right? March 1st, 2020. <laughs> so that was when the world kind of stopped and everyone's kind of looking at me and I'm like, what are you, what are you, what are you looking at? We made a decision. We're, we're standing by this decision. We're going to go for it. And they're kind of like, like a lot of jaws dropped. I'm like, Hey, I've lived down, that through a couple downturns. And this is when wealth is made in this country is when there's indecision, indecisiveness, you know, people are not going to want to be, uh, people aren't going to be buying stuff. They're just going to try to figure out what to do because everyone's just so scared. Like, oh, we're, we're going in, we're, we're just going to be purchasing assets. And so we started out with like about 2,000 uh, customers at that point in time. And we grew it up to 30,000 because we made that decision. And uh, not only was it was a good decision to spend the money to do it, it required a lot of customers, but we built a lot of great relationships as well. And on top of that all, we, we bought low. And so since then, two years, the prices really went up really fast. So the assets performed quite extraordinary. Man, that brings me joy. You probably see me smiling because, man, congratulations. I'm proud of you, bro. Like, I think so many times when you're running out front of the pack, people just kind of simulate this thought process that, well, that's what he's supposed to do. It's like, no, man, that was a big yeah. decision, bro. Like, Yeah, you know. thanks. I, I don't, like I said, I don't get any of the credit, but it's a, it's a team effort to get here. It's a, I have a great team in place. And w- without that team, we wouldn't have been able to deliver on the product that we have today. 
well, it's not all rosy at the end of the day, but it was a lot of work. So there's a lot of, you know, we all know we all lived through that time period, but uh, it was it was different, right? It's something that uh, we're going to look back on. I can't wait to see like 10 years in the future what we think back of that time period, For sure. and how we talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So would you consider yourself like a syndicator or, you know, or would you consider yourself a technology? Like, is your is your company mainly focused on yeah. the tech? Or is it focused on assimilating the deals or is it both? Like, what would you say the main focus and the premise of the company is? Yeah, we're both. And and, and where I look at myself is how do I serve my customer? And my customer is a, is a retail, everyday American person. How do I give them an opportunity? So I will, I'm trying to give them access to this opaque private markets area, the segment of where a lot of wealth is being built. And that's our primary focus. And I happen to have expertise in real estate. And so this is the area that we're focusing on. And so it's how do I give back to them? And the way I see it is if I'm consistently making my product good, which is just, it's not just the real estate performing, that has to perform from course, but that performing, give them a great experience, give them education, give them the tools, then good things will happen to us, our organization and myself as well. So that's where I kind of pride myself is how do I take care of that customer? And that's where I'm very focused on. So when you were growing your your clients and like I say, you know, our proprietary, where do you feel like you found them? Is it social media? Is it old school digital? Like, is it digital marketing? Like, where do you feel like you said, you know what, this is where I'm going all in. And this is where my my customer, it's the millennial. It's the person who's 25 to 45, whatever, whatever. Obviously, you put together that thought process, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what we did, what part of part of this uh, strategy was you just do everything, you do mm. everything, and then you take the data after and then you kind of focus on what worked. And it, it's, it's kind of like chaos because you're just spending money, you're spending money as fast as you can trying to get customers as fast as you can, and then looking at what worked the best. And uh, fortunately, it worked out for us, we got customers and today we're optimizing the right channels. And they're, just the, the channels are always changing. Uh, they're always there's always new laws and regulations going. Uh, there's data privacy laws now uh, with 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 Apple versus Facebook and all that stuff going on. So that that does affect some things. And we're able to build the community up now at a level where now it's it's more cost effective for us to grow it than it was in the beginning uh, stages. So we basically sp- spent the money, paid ads, paid media placements, partners, uh, social media, everything across the board. And now, now we've kind of taken off the level where it's more organically coming in. Love it, bro. Yeah, you're probably at this point, you got the machine going. You're getting so many yeah. referrals and just organic growth, you know? So that's yeah. awesome, bro. When you look at a deal, and then we're going to pivot on to some other questions that I have. But when you look at a typical deal, 150 units, 250 units, kind of give me those metrics that you're looking for. Obviously, um, you know, IRR at this and uh, equity multiple of that, or kind of, what are those kind of three to five metrics that you look for when you're looking at multifamily deals? Yeah, when, I think when you're it, it depends them. on the, yeah, the market is changing a lot, right? At the end of the day. But I mean, if underlying fundamentals is, hey, looking at these geographic areas and looking at the growth in those areas. Uh, so we've been a lot is about Southeast US, a lot of migration has happened to those areas. I'll look at the uh, underlying market conditions, the jobs market in those areas. Of course, you want to do something where you see rents going up a little bit. We don't, we're not too aggressive with our underwriting. I've seen some aggressive stuff lately. I've seen some stuff that people are trying to put in their performance with like seven percent month over month growth uh, on things, which is, which is okay. But you know, we we usually use a two, two to one or a three to two ratio. 
Uh, what I mean is that a 3% annual increase in, in, in rents, 2% increase in expenses, or in some cases we do 2% two, uh, increase in rents, 1% increase in expenses. Uh, we have a team of analysts in place who, who, who do that for us. So since we've performed so well, we get first look at a lot of deals. Uh, and we've been out there for such a long time period, we get off-market deals right now. So building that reputation, uh, and especially if you've been in real estate, when you build a reputation of closing, uh, especially in this this asset size, is it really motivates all the parties involved to take your offer before someone else's because they know you, you're going to close. And uh, it's still a very traditional business. You have brokers involved. You have title escrow, of course. Uh, there's a lot of attorneys involved in these transactions. They're higher price items and they all get paid. And at the end of the day, like I just said, they want to get paid and they know if you're going to sign your name, that contract is going to close, that they take your deal first. So you usually get uh, good deals to look at. Man, congrats, bro. What if someone wanted to come in and do a bigger, do y'all have a max? Like, what if somebody did want to come in and say, hey, I'm going to put down a million bucks on this next deal or this fund? You don't have a max, right? There's no max. We've had a million come in before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Platform. Awesome. Man. High amounts. I love it. It goes, it goes high as you want, as low as you want. No, we do not discriminate against any any size. Yeah. yeah we'll and, take. and those different classes, no matter how much you put in, if it's the if it's the same deal, I still get the same return. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's exactly. awesome. Yep. We don't do preferred. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You awesome. just think of, think of the systems how it's set up. Think of the the it's the cost above, which which is crazy. Is what I found out. It's like so if I need to go wire money, if I'm wiring a million bucks, what's my wire fee? If I'm going to wire five hundred bucks, what's the wire? Fee? It's the same. This mm. makes sense to me, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Should yeah. be a percentage. Yeah, yeah, use an ATM machine. I'm going to take out 20 bucks. You're going to charge me $3.50. You know, someone has more money. I'm taking 500 out. Okay, I could wave that 350 cent, you know, but, you know, it just doesn't, the whole thing doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. What'd be the last piece to your business that you feel like you're really trying to innovate? Just like you said, five years ago, when you guys started really focusing on giving everybody a chance to invest. What, what would you say is like that thing you're really focused on right now in your business to innovate the process? A, a, a lot of financial education, create more tools to educate people really uh, to create so they can actually see how they are. I, I believe people need a personalized approach to investing. So everybody is different and everybody has a different understanding. So how can we personalize the educational process and, and how can we communicate to them how does this fit them at this point in time in their life? It's not like, oh, not later on or now, but how does this fit you today? And I think we have the tools in place today and we're improving those tools to help people out to make those decisions. It's like, okay, how much do I put in? You know, do I put in 100,000? Do I put in 10,000? Do I put in 500? Well, how does this work? You know, how does this affect my day to day, what I'm doing day to day? And creating those tools for people. And, and constantly improving those tools. So, so that, that's the biggest thing we're working on right now to really personalize that for people. I love it, bro. Proud of you again, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We got to catch up offline and talk about some stuff like that. That's, that's really cool. So I got this one section, we call it coming in hot. And that's where I'm just going to throw some questions at you. Uh-oh. And it's almost like a 40 yard dash, right? You got you to gotta race to the finish line. What's the record right now? Do y'all remember? 24 seconds. All right. So a 40 times. <laughs> <laughs> so I got five questions and you answer them in one word or one sentence. And you'll see when the show comes out, it's got the music and the fireballs and all that. All right. But um, all right, man. So I'm going to start the clock and then you got five questions. You ready? Yep. Let's do it. Do you have a college degree or no college degree? Yes, I do. Okay. What was your greatest challenge as a child? Wow. Getting along with my father. All right. What was your first attempt at entrepreneurship? 
early age, geez, I think uh, shoveling uh, driveways, le- lemonade stands, raking leaves, Love delivering it. newspapers. There you go. What was the worst real estate advice you've ever received? Oh, the worst advice I've ever received. There's been a lot of bad advice, the worst advice I've ever received. I would say they're not like us, Craig. There it is. They don't do it the way we do it. There it is. Who's the one person who made the biggest impact on your career? Uh, I always go with mom. Mom's the best. There it is. 49 seconds, brother. 49 seconds. Uh, it's it's, a, it's it's hard. 24 is hard. Yeah, you got a couple. It sneaks yeah. up on you, bro. In the childhood one got me. I was like, which one? <laughs> That's a tough one, right? No. Yeah. It sneaks up on you. We need to keep up who had the longest one. I think somebody was at like four minutes. Remember he, And the thing is, he was on set. Like he was at like 18 seconds. He got stumped by like that, that fourth question. Yep. All right. So a couple more questions, brother. When you look at technology, how do you feel like it's changing our industry? And what are you focused on technology wise to kind of get a, be ahead of the curve? Yeah, I look at the innovative side of it. The te- the, how does it make things better? And it's going to make everything better. Every part of, of society is going to have a technology component to make it better. And, and so, so for real estate, I, it, it's really coming across the whole board. Every area of real estate is going to have a technology component to it. And there's not one that sticks out more, but I think the most important one that we, most of us will care about is the data that comes in. So do we have accurate information to make decisions Mm -hmm. and having that in real time, the better we have that data to make a decision and the fact, the faster we have that data gives us a leg up with things. So if you have that, uh, uh, that information coming in faster than your competitors, it gives you a competitive advantage over them, of course, uh, to make decisions uh, across the board in so many things. For sure. I always say data is like the new oil boom. Like as an entrepreneur, that's where everybody's fighting for the data, you know, and then you can leverage the AI and artificial intelligence and everything else. But data is the new oil. You got to have it and you got to get it faster and quicker than the next person. So that's that's a really, really good target. Yeah. So we get a lot of questions for CEOs and entrepreneurs because they always know that we're busy. We're doing a lot of stuff. We're highly successful. You've killed the game out there in San Diego. The question is, what's your secret to good time management? What's like one of your hacks that you use for good time management? Great question. I do a lot of time blocking. So I'm always optimizing my, my time. I'm, I'm kind of looking at that almost on a weekly basis. I look, uh, I kind of have a meeting with myself to say, hey, what did I spend time on this week? Hey, what are my three main goals? Am I working my tasks matching those three goals? Mm. And then I kind of go back and I go, okay, this is what I did this week. And so next week I, I set up my, my, my whole schedule. I time block it out to make sure I'm driving my goals for that week. So it's, it's, it's a very iterative process. And I, I kind of have the saying, and I think you mentioned this earlier, my saying is do, learn, grow, constantly take action, receive that feedback and receive the data so you can learn from it, right? And then that's where growth happens. So I'm always about do, learn, grow. So uh, there's no really success or failure for me. I just look at doing, learning and growing cons- on a consistent basis. Man, thank you, Craig. That helped me, bro. Because I'm real big on time blocking. I've been coaching people on yeah. time blocking for like 12 years. And I've always talked about it, but you made it, you said it in a different way for me, which I, I think is pretty cool. Like you said, my three main goals for the week, the task and the time that I spent, did it match up to those goals? And if not, the next week I need to pivot and make sure it does. I love that, bro. Yeah, exactly. Because you find yourself, I think there's some kind of, uh, we get this kind of endorphin high. It's a dopamine high of just checking off a task list. And in, you could get kind of, you could get stuck in that because every time you get something done, you feel good about yourself. But did that really attach to your goal? Mm. Right. So, but if you had a task that you could feel good about that's attached to your goal, it's kind of, it's a win-win, but that's why if you, I think a lot of people start with the tasks first, but you kind of have to look at it. Hey, what's my goal? Am I working on that? And you got to be brutally honest with yourself. 
because, hey, you might be feeling great all day long doing tasks, but you didn't get your goals. You kind of have to have that talk with yourself or whatever you want to call it and say, okay, what what did I do all week? Why didn't I get anything done? Well, you got stuff done. You felt good about it, but you didn't get the stuff done that has to drive the goal that you're trying to achieve. And, you know, sometimes we we do things that are, we avoid that uncomfortable uh, situation, right? And I always, what's the saying I have is being uncomfortable being comfortable with the uncomfortable yep. is, is part of the process as well. Love it, bro. Thank you again. What's the secret to good branding? As you were building your company, obviously you did the marketing, but you built a good brand. What do you feel like is the secret to good branding? That's a good one. I like to say consistency, perseverance. You when you're when you're building a brand out, definitely I think one of the big things that we we've learned is is definitely creating a, a good team and creating a good culture and a safe place for that team to to excel mm-hmm. with that. And it's kind of an inside-out approach. If I, if I could be good, first of all, myself, you have to be a good person, take care of yourself. And then I could surround myself with good people and treat them well. And then, uh, then it kind of filters out to the external world. So always start with yourself first, then your team, and then next your customers and the external world. So that's the way I kind of look at it. Love it. For real estate entrepreneurs, whether they're in tech, whether they're in sales, whether they're in development, what would be three things that you would tell them if they're trying to either break into this space and have some success? Well, hey, here are the three things that I think you really need to double down on. What would those three things be? Oh, I'm always a big fun on, on like taking action all the time. That's where I got the do from. It, it's just, I think we sometimes live in our heads. We try to make things perfect. And I think you have to get that learning going. You have to start doing. Uh, the other thing is, is, is sky's the limit. Think big. Yeah, There's no reason why you can't do something. Uh, so, and then, uh, lastly is of course be, uh, I love to read and learn all the time. I'm a sponge and any, any, and if you take that approach and, and lift every book, meet every person you can, the digital world has so many tools for people to accelerate the learning process, uh, to be ferocious with that, be very committed to doing that. That, that is something that will, will get there a lot faster. If you learn from other people's mistakes instead of your own as well. Yeah. That's good wisdom. Wow. So we call this the moonshot, right? We all got this moonshot kind of like to the moon. And what's your one dream or goal or or just an idea that you feel like no one believes in? It almost seems impossible. What is that moonshot for you? I think we did it. I think I, I did it because I remember telling someone this idea and they're like, you're crazy. Why would you go backwards and go to like some person with $500? And I remember having a conversation with the previous company I had for this one, and the guy was like, you're delusional. This is never going to work. So I, I kind of accomplished that the goal I set out to. I, I'm, I'm satisfied with what we did and put together. It's continuing to grow, but I, I did, we did it. So we're at the 30,000 customer mark. The, ne- the next level for me, my goals has to do with my family. I have, I have three daughters, so just see their development is the, is the next thing in my life. There it is. Um, Love it. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's cool. You're the first guest that we've had who said they already they hit their moonshot already. That's cool. You had a book you recommended and it's The Dark Side of the Light Chasers by Debbie Ford. Why did you recommend that book? And one of the things that we have is like you said, we readers are leaders and we want to encourage our audience and our real estate entrepreneurs to read. So why did you recommend that book? What has it done for you? Uh, I, I knew her personally and I met her at when I was 24 years old, when I was uh, developing myself into a young man and I had an amazing opportunity to meet her. She was instrumental in my life, and I thought her, she had a profound effect upon it. God rest her soul. She died a few years ago, cancer. She's always just always battling that through the time period I knew her. And uh, I just felt really fortunate to have her as part of my life and 
it's a, it's a, it's a special book to me because of, because of our relationship together. And uh, a good story was that she wasn't on the Oprah Winfrey show at the same time of this other person. And they both were on the show for the first time in public. And he, his name was, uh, what's his name? That Dr. Phil guy. So uh, Dr. Phil. <laughs> And so he's a little bit more bombastic. So I think Oprah kind of got a little bit more attached to him than to her, but she was just had her, her work was phenomenal as well. So I appreciate everything she did for me. And uh, she was a great person. It's awesome, man. Carry her energy on. So final thoughts, man, where can our guests find you? And then just leave my audience or leave our audience with that, with your final thoughts to our real estate entrepreneurs. Yeah, well, you can find me diversityfund.com is our platform. We are uh, we have an app. We're on iOS and Android. Myself, Craig Cecilio, CXC. I am on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, YouTube channel as well. And the final thoughts for anyone in real estate, I'd say, hey, it, it's really easy to get started. All you have to do is take action. So con- just take some action. Get off your butt. Get going. The world's yours. It's 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 not hard to do. It's work. Don't consider it hard work. It's just work. But everybody has an opportunity to make wealth in real estate. Appreciate it, bro. Great, great episode. Thank you again for being on the show. We'll stay in touch. We'll connect offline soon, and I'll make sure I follow you on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. But thank you for the yeah. wisdom and the knowledge. And like you, like I said, man, you guys know where to find him. Check him out. Thank you again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com.